Welcome into the Damn Good Dogcast. I am your host, Dylan. I'm joined today by JD. How's it going? Also joined by Justin. What's up, guys? And Colin. Hello, everybody. Now, today we are going to be talking about the NFL, but obviously there's not too much news in the NFL, but there is a very big game that just happened a few days ago called the Super Bowl. And so <laughs> today we'll be sharing some of our... What? I've never heard of that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of our listeners yeah. probably haven't either. It's not like that well known. But, uh, yeah, so today we're going to be sharing some of our thoughts and opinions on what happened on Sunday night between the Chiefs and the Eagles. The Chiefs, obviously, for most of you, as you already know, defeated the Eagles 38-35. to There was, of course, some controversy, but overall, I would say it was a pretty good game. What do you guys think? So, I think, like, as much as we were all disappointed with the way it ended, uh, or at least most of us were, uh, Andy Reid called a hell of a game. I have to agree with oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like... Especially, specifically, the two touchdowns, one where Juju was wide open and the other, Sky Moore, was wide open. Uh, specifically, the Sky Moore, it was a sequence of plays because four plays earlier, they ran him in motion where they ran him all the way across the formation and they watched the Eagles still check where they do a safety shift and they went along with him. And so they see this and then four plays later when they're in the red zone, they do it again, but instead of bringing him across the formation, they have him stop and bounce back out. So the Eagles are in the middle of that shift, and that allows him to just be wide open. Yeah, I think the touchdown you're thinking of is uh, Kadarius Tony, actually, where they put Kadarius Tony in motion. Because maybe they did it with Sky Moore, too, but I specifically saw that play done with Kadarius Tony. Uh, I thought it was the left hash uh, number... 24? Like, I f- then, yeah, they must have done it twice. I caught it with number 19, Kadarius Tony. So. Uh, well, that means they actually did it three times because they also did it with Juju Smith. Well, there you go. That's their go-to. <laughs> Andy Reid, the but, professional down, player. But <laughs> this also shows, because they didn't just do it for those touchdowns. They did it on other plays. And Andy this Reed. shows that Andy Reid was checking to see if the Eagles were making adjustments, and they weren't. So they kept scoring that way. <laughs> And read <laughs> professional play recycling. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I'd have to agree with you. The play calling from Andy Reid was phenomenal for that game. Um, but I will say, for that first half, the Eagles held Patrick Mahomes in check pretty well. If you look at his stat line, it's really not all that impressive at first glance. 21-27, very good completion percentage. But you look at his yardage, 182 yards on 21 completions gives him an average of 6.7 yards per throw. That's not good. But when you look at the Eagles secondary throughout this whole season, they have been locked down on receivers down the field. And so that just shows the play calling was taking what's there. Like they're going underneath and taking what they can give exactly. them. And that's, my, and that's the point that I was going to bring up is the fact that Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offensive line deserve all the credit in the world for what they did on Sunday because the fact that the offensive line was able to give him enough time to go through his entire list of reads and find the man who could find the hole in the zone is just phenomenal because that first half, it was pretty obvious the Chiefs were trying to take shots downfield and they just weren't there. And that's why the Eagles came out hot and that's why they were up by 10 at halftime. But coming out of the half, they flipped the switch. Andy Reid figured it all out. And also, you mentioned Mahomes' is a slow start. And what's crazy about that is we, we saw him at the end of the second half, uh, second quarter like, pretty much limp off the field after that, after that one uh, tackle, and we didn't even know if he was going to be able to continue. And whatever they gave him in, at halftime. Drugs! <laughs> exactly. It somehow made him even better. Like, he, he, he has, a, like you said, not a bad half, but not, not his best. 
can barely walk in, into the locker room, comes out and has one of the best halves we've ever seen from him. So but it it's also, just wild. that also stems from the play calling. I mean, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, who wasn't even active in the first half. Like, he only had, what, like one catch, and he got most of his yard, bulkage of yards and, and receptions in the second half. Just because, I mean, they had to do something to keep him off his ankle, you know? Yeah. You're Otherwise, cor- you're correct in saying that Juju got the majority of his catches and yardage in the second half. Yeah. But even more specific, it came on one drive. Yeah. He had one drive where he had four catches and got like 50 yards. But this also just goes to show why Andy Reid is, if not the best, one of the best offensive minded coaches in the NFL. Because that second half adjustment, like they went from getting shut down by the Eagles defense to he went, oh, hey, they're still doing this. And he changed his offense in accordance, whereas the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, didn't make those adjustments. (laughs) And so it just comes down to the better play calling. One, like as much as that holding call at the end, everybody's pissed about like Andy Reid called a better game than Jonathan Gannon. They always say that NFL is a game of 3D chess, and the Super Bowl was a perfect display of that. Yeah. One player who we haven't talked about yet who deserves a ton of credit for his performance on Sunday is Jalen Hurts. 304 oh, yeah. yards in the air, an average of 8 yards per throw, and one touchdown on the ground, in addition to 70 yards on the ground and three touchdowns running the ball. That is a terrific game. Yeah, Other than his one Huge mistake. He did have one very, very large mistake that ultimately flipped the game. But, I mean, with him being a young quarterback, you know, there are these moments. I mean, you saw, like, even with Peyton Manning in his Super Bowl, you know, the one defensive play with the Bob Miller strip sack and strip cam. I mean, it's like that one play changes the whole course of the game, and him being a young quarterback who has not been in that scenario that Mahomes has been in, it, you know, it's, it's a learning experience always. I would have to say the Nick Bolton scoop and score kind of felt like the shift of momentum that oh, the Chiefs yeah. needed. Oh, and uh, honestly, the Eagles got so lucky that he didn't have a second scoop yeah, and score. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. At the end of the game, I was talking to myself. I was like, hmm, who deserves Super Bowl MVP? Obviously, the answer was Patrick Mahomes. But if Nick Bolton had kept that second touchdown and it hadn't been called back, it was his to lose. For sure. But the yeah. other thing I think we need to talk about is Sodgate. Because (laughs) Eagles had, like, there, I can't remember his name. I was just looking this up uh, this morning. Uh, Somebody went through and watched it play by play. The Eagles had a player slip on uh, 38% of the plays, which was almost double what the Chiefs played. And the person who put down the sod has worked for the Chiefs Mm. for over 30 years. Interesting. Oh, go ahead. I was like, and the Eagles had to change their cleats like four or five times, whereas the Chiefs, you saw them change their cleats maybe once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they were actually talking about it, um, or at least I heard something about it like the day after the game, so on Monday, of course. Um, Mm. They had actually been growing that grass in Arizona for the last eight months, specifically for the Super Bowl. They changed the home field that the Cardinals play on, which is also natural grass, and replaced it with this grass that they've been growing for the past eight months, right after the regular season ended. And the sod father just happens, <laughs> just happens to be a career Chiefs fan employee. Like, I'm... I'm not saying it's why, but there's an asterisk. <laughs> so one, one, other, one other possible explanation, though, is if you, if you call back to the, um, the Michigan-TCU game that happened to be played in that same stadium in Arizona, 
if you remember, there was some tr- there was some slipping and sliding in that game too. So maybe it's just something wrong with the Arizona grass. Who it, knows? It could just be Arizona grass. Yeah, but this was a league high percentage. Yeah. Like no other team the entire season had thirty eight percent of plays had somebody slip. Like it's <laughs> too much. Uh, and then because Hassan Reddick uh, specifically. I don't know what his percentage was, but I saw multiple clips where, because his big thing with pass rushing is his get off the ball. But if he doesn't have footing, he can't turn that corner. And so there was a bunch of times he's just slipping as he's trying to turn the corner. Can't get to Mahomes. Like, yeah. No, the, the grass definitely had a pretty big effect on the game. But clearly it didn't have that big of an effect on Devontae Smith, who had seven catches for 100 yards. I think his performance was pretty impressive. Devontae Smith all season has actually been underrated because he's been outshined by A.J. Brown. Yeah. Like, A.J. Brown finished the season, like, they were showing uh, some NFL tracking. Like, he was the number one receiver when it came to, like, separation uh, from corners and stuff. But Devontae Smith just had a very quiet but successful season. Well, well, one thing that we know about Devontae Smith from college, at least myself, I do as an Ohio State fan, (laughs) he is a great route runner, like one of the best I have ever seen. And his ability to create separation, like not necessarily the way A.J. Brown does with crazy speed, but with just incredibly sharp route running. He is phenomenal at that. Oh, yeah, and A.J. Brown, I feel, is the better, like, after the ball, like, carrier. Where, uh, but Devontae Smith, as far as just running his routes and getting open, is phenomenal. But you also have to think that, you know, with A.J. Brown being that alpha X-factor receiver that's on their team, Devontae Smith is basically getting one-on-one matchups the, was the entire game versus AJ, you know, getting doubled because they know how much damage he can do in the yards after the catch. So, But you can also argue that they can't double AJ because they have Devontae and Goddard and Sanders out of the backfield. Like, it, it's they have a lot of weapons. And fortunately for the Eagles, like, they may have lost their coaching staff, essentially. But everyone on their offense is still under contract. And like, that's another note that I wanted to make, too, is that as a result of the Eagles' success this season, I think so, it sounds like some of you guys have seen it too. The Eagles lost both of their coordinators in the span of 24 hours. Shane Steichen being hired by the Colts to be the head coach, and Jonathan Gannon being hired by Cardinals. the Cardinals, yes, to be their head coach. And I feel like I, it's not going to impact their offense as much because this is Nick Sirianni's offense. Oh, yeah. Like, Jonathan Gannon called the plays, but. Andy Reid goes through coordinators like he goes through cookies. Like he's always successful, and he doesn't call his plays most of the time either. Uh, and so it'll work out for their offense, but their defense. I think the Eagles should target someone like Vic Fangio. Whereas he's a great defensive coordinator, and you know based on his uh, record with the Broncos that no one's going to be recruiting him as a head coach probably for the next five years, both because of that record and his age. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's kind of like a Dan Quinn situation with the Cowboys, where he's turned that Cowboys defense into a very, very good unit with some very solid young players. Vic Fangio can definitely do the same in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, I mean, this league has literally like copied Vic Fangio's defense like across the board, oh, yeah. which is why defense and running game has all of a sudden had a resurgence this season. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's also, it's also the fact that like you take you look at the Cowboys defense and how like you know how young they are with Trayvon and they got Michael Parsons. But you take you look at the Eagles defense; they have big name players. Like they went out and signed a bunch of you know like you look at Hassan Reddick, you got Bradbury, you got Slay. I mean these guys have been are veterans. 
And so taking someone like Fangio, who knows the defensive system better than anybody, who could just straight up make these guys even better than they already are was a scary thought for everybody else. But there's also the concern because they have all these big names and veterans, like does Fletcher Cox retire? Yeah. Do they re-sign Hargrave? Do they re-sign Brandon Graham? Do they re-sign Bradbury? Like their defense has a lot more questions mm-hmm. than their offense, but they also have a nucleus of young talent. Mm-hmm. Kaiser White came out of nowhere this season. Uh, they still have N'Kobe Dean behind him. Mm-hmm. Jordan, Co- uh, Jordan Jordan Davis, Davis yeah. behind Fletcher Cox, like they they still have a nucleus of young talent behind those big names that could still make an impact for years to come. Like, and they still have a pretty high draft pick as they have the Saints draft pick. Yeah, wow. so they have, they, if they use that pick to draft somebody on defense, watch out for the Eagles. I mean, you you also think about you know they could try to trade up because they have those talents. You, you move all takes one piece. You know they can end up moving. On. I mean, who knows? If I'm the Eagles, I don't know if I'm trading up. I I might, I, mean, I might trade back. Didn't they move up for Davis last year, or did they move down last year? I think they moved up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't really remember the draft last year. Uh, but so if there is like they may not go to like top five no. or top ten or anything. But uh, but there's still a lot, especially when you consider how overvalued quarterback position is in the draft. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people who move up specifically for one of the big two or three quarterbacks. And so that allows some of the defensive and offensive line talent to fall. Mm-hmm. And that could be where they could sweep in and get not necessarily a Jalen Carter, but like Keely Ringo in the bottom of the first with their uh, their own first-round pick uh, type prospect to have some hedges uh, or hedging their bets on like – trying to re-sign Bradbury, like get some young talent yeah. behind them. Like, and yeah, to, to your point, they're already so set on like on like the key, like attractive positions in the draft, like quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end even, even like pass rush. Like they have, they're already set and so deep at all those positions. They can definitely find a way to trade back and get a lot more assets that way. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots have been proving for years that one of the best ways to build your organization, if you have your quarterback, trade back in the draft, build up draft picks, Play it like the lottery. The more picks you get, the better you can Take someone like Cole Strange. (laughs) (laughs) The Bill Belichick model. Turn a white broomstick into the best receiver in the league. Yeah, I mean, or even Andy Reid's been following that type of model. Well, yeah, and you're seeing it with Patrick Mahomes, who, Super Bowl MVP, we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, here's here's a question. Is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey the new Tom Brady and Gronkowski? I think they have been for a few years. Yeah. But they'd only had one Super Bowl under their name. Like, you couldn't say that they're replacing them with just one Super Bowl. Well, no, they have two now. Two now. You look at their their connection, and it is eerily similar, where Travis Kelsey is Patrick Mahomes' safety blanket. Oh, I think it's better than the Gronkowski connection because Gronkowski was a specialist at touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey is anywhere on the field (laughs) Mahomes will hit him. He's so versatile. Yeah. And it it's crazy because he's one of the older tight ends in the league now at this point. Yeah. And he he had a like his resurgence or not really resurgence but like his consistent just the level he's been yeah. playing at recently. It, well, and even then like the level that he's playing at now, he didn't reach until he was 29 30 years old. Well, actually that's not true. Like Travis Kelsey has produced 1000-yard seasons every year he's been a starter since his second season in the league. His, really? his first his first year, he had an ankle injury or something that he only played like one snap in that entire season, 
And then from his second season on, he has been a thousand yard tight end. Even under Alex Smith and that Chiefs, I mean, that's that's crazy to think about. You know, you take someone going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, like the sheer level is you, we've seen what now with. What's even crazier to think about? He was a quarterback recruit going into college. He didn't <laughs> switch to tight end until after he got kicked off of Cincinnati and had to get his brother had to beg to get him back on, and that's when he got switched to tight end. Imagine a guy built like Travis Kelsey playing quarterback. I, I mean, it's <laughs> like LeBron. What is that? That makes I couldn't even picture that. <sighs> but I mean, you also look at the other receivers. You know, coming off a big off season where they traded away Tyreek Hill, and Mahomes got it done in. Without, you know. It's oh, well, just... what they, they replaced him with numbers because rather than, oh, we can't replace Tyreek Hill, so, so we're going to get, we're going to trade for Kadarius Tony, We're going to sign MVS. We're going to sign Juju Smith. Like, and then they also have somebody that we don't talk about but is actually a pretty good player, Noah Gray, as their second tight end. Like, mm. he's a legit tight end. And if it wasn't for Kelsey, he might be their next guy. Like, <laughs> He had somebody ahead of him, like Zach Ertz was the guy for the Eagles, and then he came in, he took over to the point they felt they could trade Ertz away, and Dallas Goddard has just been quietly top three, top five tight end in the league. I had him on my fantasy team. Well, I went through a little fantasy cycle where <laughs> I, I unfortunately had five of the top seven tight ends on my team at one point and <laughs> traded all of them away. I'm in a dynasty league now, uh, so I've got like four first-round picks out of those tight ends. I did pretty well for myself, but that being said, Dallas Goddard was an absolute production machine. The Eagles have a very, very good tight end. Now, so another transition... Is Miles Sanders their running back next year? Because while he played, he had a great season, he's on. He's hindering free agency. Do they re-sign him or do they go to the draft? Because the running back position is a very undervalued position, and so there's a lot of thought that they could just replace him with a third or fourth round pick. To add fuel to the fire, his Super Bowl stat lines, you know, seven carries for 16 total yards. Now, whether that was Sodgate or just, you know, defensive play calling for the Chiefs, it doesn't help his case. And not to mention his almost fumble. <laughs> now that, to, to add on to that, I think there are some teams around the league who could use a guy like Miles Sanders. But my personal opinion, the Eagles don't really need him that much. They have two very capable running backs behind him. And your QB. I mean, come on, Jalen yeah, Hurts is exactly. carrying the workload for yeah. running. So. And then, again, there's the draft. Like, there's always young talent coming in. So I, I don't feel they should spend the money on a veteran running back who's going to get a bigger contract because they were in the Super Bowl rather than just going with the talent they have and some bringing in some fresh blood. Speaking of young guys who don't get paid a lot, how about Isaiah Pacheco? Man... I'm a Broncos fan, so I, I admit he's been great, but I hate him because he's been great. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those, his success breeds resentment for me. Like, it's such a great story. Seventh round pick out of the University of Toledo, comes into the league. He's undersized. He's pretty fast, but not a lot of teams have a, faith in him, a lot of faith in him. The Chiefs take a chance on him in the seventh round, and he has done wonders for that offense. It also, sorry to cut you off, it also helps that, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire didn't, you know, he struggled with the injury bug and overall just, it, it opened the door for Isaiah to come in there and start. What a disappointment, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, I know it, man. Like, coming, he had that great rookie year. Yeah. And then 
all of a sudden he fell off, like just out of nowhere. Other than, I mean, the injury bug, obviously. But he also just wasn't producing. Like he didn't run as hard as he did when he was a rookie. Like Isaiah, I, I, uh, Pacheco this year uh, ran a lot, I mean, probably better, but a lot similar to Edwards Alaire his rookie year. And then I don't know what happened between then and now for Edwards Lair to just not even get used. Like Final point on Isaiah Pacheco, I absolutely love him. I think his style of running is just incredible. For how small he is, the way he runs like he's Derrick Henry's size, is, <laughs> it's admirable to me at 5'7", 160. But um, he's, he's a bit small to be running he's like that. 5'7"? No, I'm five seven. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, you know who else that actually kind of reminds me of bringing it to the Broncos when the Broncos had Philip Lindsay. Mm. Philip Lindsay, <laughs> five foot eight, buck eighty, but loved to run between the tackles. But that's also why his career has been kind of shorter and getting worse. Is he can't keep that up for exactly. a long period of time. And I, I really do worry for Isaiah Pacheco that his career may not be long. He may be one of those guys who's in the league for two or three years, is just an absolute freak, but his career runs a little short just because he's a little undersized. But this offense not even just undersized, guys. Look at uh, DeMarco Murray for the Cowboys. Like He had those amazing seasons, then went to the Eagles for the one or two years, mm-hmm. had an amazing uh, couple of years there. Then when he got to the Titans, he had one good season, and then Derrick Henry took over. Like and he just disappeared. Like uh, another four year flash in the pan, even though he's like six two, two twenty or whatever he was. Like, yeah, he <laughs> he was definitely a bigger guy. But um, final thoughts on what really ended up being a great game. Where do you guys see these two teams falling next year? Personally, I think every year that Mahomes is healthy, the Chiefs are a Super Bowl favorite. Like, just hands down, doesn't matter the rest of their team. If Mahomes is healthy, they're a Super Bowl favorite. Well, and also, we saw Tom Brady make the at least the conference finals pretty much every season. And I definitely think we can see that with Mahomes, with kind of the, the new Chiefs dynasty appearing in the AFC. Sorry for, you know, I know you're a Broncos fan. Unfortunately. <laughs> but, but, no, for everyone else, it's, it's fun to watch him kind of ascend into that role as the the face and kind of best quarterback in the NFL. One argument against that, though, is Tom Brady had one of the easiest conferences other than, like, the couple of years that the Jets were decent back in, like, 15 years ago. (laughs) Uh, Mark Sanchez. He's had no competition in his conference, so he'd always win his division, whereas the AFC West has Justin Herbert. Like, and then, I, theoretically, Burrow. the Broncos with Sean Payton could have a resurgence. No, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had a top five defense all season. Like all our off, all we need to do is refix our offense. <laughs> but it also depends on the. Because I, I feel like the Raiders aren't really going anywhere with Josh McDaniels right now. And also, I mean, you can say Herbert with the Chargers, but Brandon Staley's not the best coach. I mean, who blows a tw- – well, you know, but sorry, they Falcons. Have, they but have Kellen Moore at OC now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, like, again, time, we thought last year they were coming in it was going to be the most, you know, head-to-head, like, cutthroat. Who's making out of this? And the Chiefs really curb stomped everybody. <laughs> now, we've talked about the Chiefs. What about the Eagles? Oh, Eagles, I think it's the same way, except they have just as – or also, they have just as much, if not more, competition. Oh, yeah. That Cowboys roster, as much as they like to choke, they're a talented roster. Like, and then the Giants are up and coming. Under the Dable, oh, Dable era is going crazy. Dable, I mean, if, 
if he if the coach of the year award were weren't just for like newer head coaches or then, coaches who lead their team to the best regular season record, he would be my pick every year. And then let's not forget that the Commanders had a decent year with Carson Wentz and Taylor <laughs> Heineke at quarterback. Imagine what they could do if they had a real quarterback. Like that that's going to be a competitive division, which is ironic because they went from like the worst, worst division in football <laughs> yeah. just Make, a year or two ago, making the playoffs with a with a losing to record. Now they could be the best division in football for though. quite a while too. My only concern about the Eagles is the aging on that defense. I really hope that they can find some younger talent in the draft to replace some of these guys who might retire soon on the defensive line and in the secondary. I was also going to say that, you know, you look at the D-line, who put each player on the D-line put up, you know, a double-digit sacks. In free agency in the upcoming years, teams are going to want to pursue those guys that have, you know, demonstrated that they're ready to play. And, you know, if teams are willing to throw the bag at them, you know, it's going to be tough to find them resign them. But you also have to remember that when these big free agencies leave, they get compensation picks. So that can lead to even more young talent. All right, guys. Well, that's going to end up being all the time we have for this episode. But thank you for listening, and we hope to talk to you again soon.